Jerry Mitchell, your host for Give God 90. It is an honor and a pleasure and a privilege to have you join me uh, for just a little while today as we look through some things that might surprise you just a little bit, might not surprise you at all. I want to welcome all of our new and ever-growing, I guess we could say audience almost, but it's really becoming kind of a family when when you uh, look at the way people are communicating with each other here and doing some other things. It's, It's really a pleasure to have the folks who have been listening to me for a while, welcome the new folks, and, and it's just amazing to see this happening. Not always on the public venues, but I see some private things going on every so often, and I certainly appreciate that. Uh, I want to remind you, uh, if you haven't done so, you can download the Give God 90 app. Uh, it's absolutely free for your Apple or Android device. gives you all kinds of control over this program because you can go back through the archives and search that. But we are also uh, on a growing list of uh, real, really, venues where you can listen to this program. And, and that is made possible because we're on the Spreaker podcast platform. And that goes out, and they distribute to many, many places like Apple or Google Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many others. If you're listening on one of those, thank you so very much for doing so, and we welcome you as well. Um, don't Also, uh, I have been neglecting to mention the, the website, and I want to get all of that out of the way before I get into what I want to talk about today, because I always get in a hurry and, and and want to talk what I'm talking about and forget to let you know that you go to GiveGod90.com, GiveGod90.com. It's absolutely free. There is a program there that helps you improve your life in 90 days. It's not goal-based by any means. But all it does is it walks you through some steps to put you in the direction of following your Creator's instructions to help you live the life you are designed to live. Uh, And my belief is, and many other people also now believe, excuse me, <clears throat> many other people also believe that if you simply follow the Creator's instructions, live the life you're designed to live, that it must improve. You, you cannot degrade. You must improve if you do those things. So uh, go ahead, take the challenge. Knock yourself out. There's also some other things on uh, there that, you know, there, there's, uh, links to other things there that, you know, my books, my pictures, uh, some teachings that really help benefit us be able to continue to do what we do. So don't forget that as well. <clears throat> now today, uh, I want to look at um, <laughs> gaining knowledge, okay? So as we look at gaining knowledge, we kind of have to uh, well, let me give you just a short, short, short background, okay? I want to th- to think about uh, a number of years ago, specifically about 50 years ago in my life, and I, I don't want you to, you know, I'm not going to take a real big trip down memory lane here, all right? But <clears throat> what I want to look at is when I was about five or six years old, my parents made the decision to purchase a set of encyclopedias. My next older brother, who you know, is, is 10 years older than I am, 
was uh, in high school. I was getting ready to enter school or in school. I can't exactly remember when they showed up at the door. But, you know, it was before he graduated and about the time I was in first or second or so grade. And and uh, these en- encyclopedias came. It was World Book instead of World Book Encyclopedias. <clears throat> that was our Internet uh, 50 years ago. And I looked at these encyclopedias and the pictures were fascinating and, you know, the things that were in there. I was just learning to read. So as I'm looking at these things, um, I'm thinking, wow, there's there's a whole world of information. And probably one of the reasons that I enjoy technical reading, and I have said this many, many times, I, I rarely read uh, fictional stories for enjoyment. What I like to read is information. What I like to read is factual, nonfiction information. Um, and I think that seed was probably planted in that set of encyclopedias. So as we look through that, as I looked through those encyclopedias and as I got older and and developed the communication skills and and the reading skills, I realized very quickly that most of the information I needed to function in the world was in these encyclopedias. And so I began to read through these encyclopedias as time allowed. And in the wintertime, uh, that back then, there was a lot of time allowed. <clears throat> so I'm looking through and reading these encyclopedias. Uh, and about the time I guess I was in the fifth or sixth grade, there was two other books that they decided to purchase. Uh, they were basically dictionaries, but they had much more information in them than that. They, had, uh, they were almost uh, mini, if I could use the term, mini student handbooks. Uh, they they taught you how to study. They they showed you some things, and uh, as I'm reading through these, they were equally fascinating. The dictionaries that were there, the the definitions. They there were two volumes, uh, and they still sit on our shelf. Believe it or not, um, I after my parents passed, I sort of acquired them, inherited them, if you will. Still sitting on my bookshelf. I can see them from here. And what they are, two separate dictionaries. Uh, One is extremely concise. The other is a little more basic, but it has much, much more information for students in it as well. As I say, helping you develop their study skills. And so my, uh, tell you this to give you that background, that my my quest for knowledge, if you will, my desire to learn was founded at a very young age. And what I want to look at now is Solomon as he lays out what we should have as a quest for knowledge. So let's let's look in Proverbs uh, beginning in chapter... What we find when we look at Proverbs chapter 1 <clears throat> is Solomon is laying out some things. And, and, and he says to, um, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment of equity, to give 
subtly, I'm sorry, subtly to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. What he's laying out here in Proverbs is I want to show you, I want to teach you, I want to allow you to understand what wisdom is, what justice is, how to seek wisdom, justice, knowledge, how to find the proper instructions as we relate to the world, as we relate to the Almighty, and as we understand the way we were designed to live by our Creator. And in in, uh, verse 6, to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Well, that sounds kind of odd if we're talking about the things of the Creator, you know, shouldn't those be light sayings, but not always because the very next verse, the fear of the Lord, now that's not to be afraid of, that is to respect and to understand, is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So what he's saying here is, if you have that deep respect, that desire, that desire to please your Creator, okay, that's the beginning. That's where, that's a good place to start is what he's saying. And as I look back on my particular life, that set of encyclopedias was a good beginning. It showed me the things of the world. What it didn't show me, now it, it, it did have things in there and I, I still uh, have used it actually earlier in, in one of the podcasts I uh, quoted from there. Uh, about Christmas, I quoted there from there about Easter. I've I've looked at things still today as I go back and look at that set of encyclopedias. There are valuable tools in there that we can use and glean from the information. So you know, don't think that they're not still being used. They are, <clears throat> but that was only the beginning. That was only the beginning. We should never ever think that we reach the end. Of knowledge, because we can never achieve that. It will never happen. Being, we are created beings, and in being created beings, we will never have the complete and full knowledge of the Creator. But we have a good start if we respect our Creator and have a desire to learn. If we have a desire to learn, a desire to understand, then we can go on. And, and oh my goodness, listen, listen to verse 8. Hear the instruction of the Father and forsake not the law of your mother. You know, he's saying, look, your parents should be able to instruct you. They should be able to tell you. Why is that? Because in verse 9 he says they are an ornament of grace onto your head and they are chains around your neck. What? They're, they're, they're chains around your neck? Yes, they are. Because chains keep you grounded, okay? Um, if sinners entice you, don't, don't consent. Don't go with them. If they say, come with us, let us lay and wait for blood. Let us lurk privately for the innocent without cause. You know, don't go down that path. 
Don't go down that path. My goodness, there is so much information that we have in what Solomon has to say. But I want to go back for a second and talk about, you know, their ornaments of grace. They will, as ornaments of grace, what they are trying to do is impart to you the things of knowledge that come directly from the Father. Okay, they're, they're trying to teach you good things most of the time. Good parents do that. Now, I realize there are some parents out there who fail miserably at this. Sometimes because they don't know. Sometimes because they have chosen to go the opposite direction. But that does not mean, now listen carefully, that does not mean that you cannot make their proper choice. Okay, just because uh, someone, whether it's a parent, um, someone you you once trusted, someone maybe it's a, a sibling, a good friend, just because they go down a wrong path, does not mean that you can follow that you should follow them. You can follow them. You're free to follow them, but it doesn't mean that you should follow them. For a parent who has rejected the Almighty, and I see this quite a bit in the uh, secular, uh, I have to be careful how I say this, uh, school-type situations where, you know, children of professors, of teachers, you know, they hear their parents say one thing about maybe millions of years of evolution, but the children see things different. You know, the children actually see the creation for what it is, and there's this this rub with parent and child about you know maybe maybe you don't have it right. There are more drastic changes than that too, right? There, you know, we have parents who uh, really have gone astray and don't know how to treat a child. Sometimes that becomes abusive in many different forms. Sometimes, you know, it, it begins that child's journey down a life of addiction for a while. And many, many, many children get out of that, thankfully. Many children get out of that. Other times, we see parents do things uh, physically to harm children uh, where they, they just flat out abuse them. That's not the type of parent who is, you know, adorning ornaments of grace around the heads of their children, is it? But that's what a parent should be doing. That's the way things should work, or that's the way they're designed to work. Quite often, these children will understand that's wrong, and they will turn around, they will seek the knowledge of the Almighty, and they'll they'll figure out, you know, my parents got it wrong. I don't want to get it wrong. So they will do what they can to adorn their children with that grace, that knowledge, those things from the Almighty. Whether they realize what they're doing or not, that's what they're trying to do. But let's let's concentrate for just a second on these chains around the neck that Solomon talks about. These chains are designed for two things. They keep you grounded. They keep you um, 
and I don't want to say that they keep you tied to the porch of the Father's house, but that's kind of what they do because what they're doing is they are limiting, they are, listen carefully, they are limiting your exposure to the worldly things until, and this is important, until you're ready to learn about them. We can protect our children two ways. When they're very young, we protect them from information. Okay? Let me say that again. When they're young, we protect our children from information. You're not going to explain to a four or five or six-year-old something the exact same way you're going to explain it to a 12 or a 13 or a 14-year-old. Now, sometimes... Children mature and advance at different ages. So you have to be the one to decide what information you're going to impart when. As we get older, as our children grow, we stop protecting them from information and we we begin, I'm sorry, to protect them with information. So we go from from withholding a little bit of information. We don't lie to them. We just might not tell them things the exact same way. Later on, once they're ready to hear and understand, now we're protecting them with the information. It's still kind of a chain, but what we're doing now is we're loosening that hold just a little bit. We're saying okay, we're going to give you you the term a a longer leash, so to speak. You know, that was was a term that was used uh, where I grew up. You know, you put them on a little longer leash. Put them on a little longer lead. You do things, you know, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. You're not going to throw a four-year-old into a calculus class, right? But you can... Once they have a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, and they have the foundational understanding, by the time they're 14, 15, 16, you should be able, if all things work right, (laughs) you should be able to put them into the physics, the calculus, uh, all of those advanced things. I'm using that as an analogy. You know what I'm. You know, y'all know what I'm saying, right? You're not. You're not going to throw a four-year-old to the world, and hopefully, you're not just going to push a, a fourteen, fifteen-year-old out the door either. But there's also another another concept to this chain idea that Solomon is talking about. There comes a time when that chain has to come off. And as you impart knowledge to these young people, when they are ready, you take the chain off and you say, now I've given you as much information as I possibly can as a parent. I've made sure that you were in school uh, and you were receiving as much uh, uh, knowledge as you could as a student. Now, as a student in America, they're going to receive, you know, uh, reading, writing, arithmetic, hopefully, in in a classroom. Family life, relationship to the Almighty, should come from home, or church, or synagogue, or you know what I mean, right? And, And if you do it properly, they're going to bind these things together, 
And when you take the leash off, because what's going to happen, what's designed to happen, is as a young man and a young woman mature, they began to fight against that chain. Some parents like to think they're fighting against you know, uh, the knowledge, but what they're actually fighting against is the chain because now they see and they think they're ready to go. And, and, and as designed, as designed, by the time, and, and the problem is in our culture, you know, our culture says, oh, you're, you're, you're not growing up until you're 21. You can't make adult decisions until you're 21. Folks, I know a lot of teenagers who made very good decisions and wise decisions at 16, 17, and 18. I know a lot, and I mean a lot, of people who joined the military at the age of 18 after graduating high school, and they were making extremely adult decisions at the age of 19 and 20. Okay? And I'm, I'm talking, you know, opera, not only are they operating million-dollar equipment, not only are they in charge of other people's lives, not only are they on the battlefield, okay, they're, they're making life-and-death decisions at 19 years old. Some of them, some of them before they reach that age. But yet, American society says, well, you're not an adult until you're 21. Like, there's some magical number that we can throw out there. Sorry for all the politicians out there, it doesn't work that way. You can have a very, very mature young person, you know, who has not yet reached their 17th or 18th birthday. So what I'm, you know, coming back from that rabbit trail just a moment, as these young people are, are jumping at the edge of that chain, it creates a rub in the family and it's designed to be that way because they want to go out they want to use the knowledge you have given them they want to use the knowledge you have given them and they want to go out you know we call it raging hormones sometimes we we have all of these things but what it is is the way the almighty designed it to be they're fighting against the chain they want to go out it's time for them to begin a family look around and say who is the person out here in the world that I am supposed to begin a family with? Our culture in America has changed some of that now so that you know, we look around and, and these young people are really confused because they don't know, number one, how to choose a person. They don't, you know, and, and society's telling them one thing, Right? parents and scriptures tell them something different now they're the ones that are responsible for wading through all of that garbage but using using the information that they have been adorned with through grace that basic knowledge that basic information that we begin to lay out at a very young age you know, there's more to raising children than making sure that they're sitting in Sunday school or sitting in church. I have had so many well-meaning 
Christian parents and grandparents say, you, you just got to get that child in church. No. You need to make sure that the, the information that they're receiving when they get there is the proper information. So that their parents, their grandparents, can adorn them with ornaments of grace so that those chains that are around their, you know, that they're bound with are the proper chains of information, of knowledge, of wisdom, of integrity, just as Solomon intended them to be. When we look at knowledge, the way we impart knowledge to other people is important. Especially the way we impart knowledge to our young people. And the only person, well, I shouldn't say person, the only people who can determine how to impart knowledge are the adults responsible for these children who know the children, who understand the children, who care for the children, and who realize and recognize when they're ready. Part of the problem, and here's the sad part of the problem, is many adults don't recognize or understand that because it was never the, the, the proper information was never imparted to them to begin with. And, you, and, and it begins this cycle, and it's really interesting because in Jeremiah chapter 16, Jeremiah writes that our fathers have inherited lies. Now, on one level, he's absolutely right about you know the the way things come down. But on a different level, almost on a metaphorical level, he's absolutely correct because our fathers not only did they inherit lies, but they didn't get that process of information from their fathers properly. So, how can they pass that proper information on to us? Do you see where I'm going with that? If, if, you know, way back, somebody made a mistake, then where we are now probably isn't right. It's, if you look at, at a mathematical equation, okay, and in, in like maybe the fourth entry of this mathematical equation that might be 12 or 15 or 20 entries long, if there is a mistake in the fourth or fifth or sixth entry, then the end result is going to be wrong. It's called a fatal error in in some circles. So we look at this, and if we have a fatal error in the fourth step, then the twentieth step, our final answer, is going to be incorrect. How do we overcome that? How do we, as parents of young children or grandparents, still trying to guide and direct adult children and their children, how do we overcome these fatal errors that were passed along to us many, many, many years ago? Therein lies, therein lies the grace. Because if we're searching, if we're seeking, as Solomon says, if we are respecting the Almighty, if we are ready to receive His grace, 
That's the beginning. That's the beginning. We can start over. We can go there and go places with our children, even our adult children, if we choose to. How we do that is going to be different every time in every family situation. Uh, Quite often it's going to be different how a parent talks to one sibling over another sibling. I shouldn't say over another sibling, to to another sibling. They're, they're, They're going to impart knowledge differently to one brother or sister than they do another brother or sister. We often find ourselves doing that with friends, don't we? You know, we're going to tell our friends the same thing, but we're going to tell one friend in a way they can understand, we're going to tell another friend in a way that they can understand. You're saying the same thing, you're just telling it two different ways. We do that to children. We do that to each other. Ladies and gentlemen, the gift of knowledge, the gift of being able to... I almost went down another, another rabbit trail there, but I'm not going there. I'm, 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 I want to keep this a little shorter. The gift of knowledge is something that we can pass along. But we must... We must understand that as we're passing this knowledge along, it does restrain people. Because now that you have this knowledge, you have to figure out how to use it. You have to figure out how I'm going to get from point A to point B now that I understand the bridge might be out. How do I get from point A to point B now that I understand there's a rough patch in the road? How do I get from point A to point B knowing what I know now? See, that's, that is those ornaments of grace. Because once you know, once you understand, now you can use that Now you can use that and you can make those chains as short or as long as you need to as you as you impart those knowledge and those bits of information to the people under your care. Ladies and gentlemen please do so wisely. I hope you have a wonderful wonderful week. Thank you.